0: Welcome to the Gathering at Edel. Today's message is the second part in our series titled, How to Pray. We'll be looking at Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6 on the Lord's Prayer. So today, prayer, encouraged by this, out of Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there, First, we're going to recap last week, so Levi don't put it up there. That's for this week's. But last week's, we, we talked about how, how to pray, and Jesus was teaching his disciples. You know, he taught them first, but he said, don't be like the hypocrites. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. He said, don't be like the hypocrites who stand out on the street corners to be heard and to be seen by everyone, for surely they've already received their reward. He says, but when you pray, go to your room, shut your door and pray, for the Father will see you in secret, and he'll bless you, and he'll reward you. Your reward is that he will see you in secret. He says, don't babble. Don't stutter. Don't use the same phrases over and over. Don't don't use many and idle words. Have, Have you ever heard someone pray, and all of a sudden, they start praying, and you're like, bro, I didn't even know you knew what that word meant. You know, like, they start praying, like, like you're, you're way smarter when you pray. You know, when, when you pray, be simple. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Use simple words, not confusing, right? Just talk how you would normally talk. Jesus said, don't, don't babble, don't stutter, don't, don't use many and idle words, but, but be simple. He said, and don't be like them, because your father already knows what you need before you even have to ask him. And so when we looked at that, we said that our prayer life should be described as secret Simple and sincere, right? That makes a good message, good bullet points for social media. Three S's, you can keep track of that. You know, you might be wondering why, why are we even talking about prayer, uh, how to pray, and even the title of the message is How to Pray can be a little misleading. Like, is there a wrong way to pray? Like, have I, do I really need to tune into this? Because how, who is he to tell me how I am supposed to pray? But even Jesus' disciples Thought enough of it to say, "Hey Jesus, will you teach us how to pray?" Like we're, we've been listening to you, and something is different from the way that you pray. You have you're you're tapping into something that we didn't even know was there. And uh, Jesus then gives them the the prayer, the Lord's prayer, or if you're in a more Lutheran liturgical, it's called the Our Father, and it's really just the model of prayer. and, and but don't be so concerned with the step-by-step that you lose the concepts. You know, have, have you ever, you know, you've been on Pinterest and, and you go, I, I got Taylor's attention right there. I like that, that head snapped over. Yeah, have I? I was just on it just now. Uh, you know, and like, have you been on Pinterest and you're like, man, that recipe looks good. And then you get it and you make it and it looks nothing like that. Have you, you ever like DIY a shelving unit? And you're like, Hey, look at that, seven steps. What they failed to tell you is that in each of the seven steps, there are 19 steps, and you need $20,000 worth of tools in order to make that shelving unit that you can go buy from Target for $19.99. But like, all of a sudden, you make it, and you're like, that is not what the picture looked like. You know, there's even a whole hashtag called Nailed It because people have decided that this is pretty funny, that... (laughs) The nailed it means I did not nail it. In fact, it messed up. But I think that's where we kind of can get lost in these step-by-step, the Lord's Prayer. Very simple. It tells you all of this. Don't get lost and get too caught up in all of the step-by-step. Okay, how do I say it again? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. You know, No. the goal is for it to just be natural. Don't be so focused on the steps that you lose the concepts because our goal is to pray with a renewed mind and the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. So as we're praying for the name of God to be hallowed, to be honored, all of a sudden the Lord's going to bring things to us that we didn't even have a revelation about the day before. Like, oh, wow, you mean I'm dishonoring your name when I do this? Didn't know that. And then we start to pray on that. So we have the steps, but inside the steps are the concepts. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, this is the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus said. The first three times, the, the verses above it, he said how to pray. It says, don't do this three times. And now he says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven your name be honored as holy your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and so that that is the lord's prayer according to the version uh, i use the csb the christian standard bible uh, niv the like we're we're good with we have a lot of freedom in what version you use. This is just the one that I, that I enjoy most right now. And so some, some of the verse, versions will say, Our Father in heaven, you know, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So it says hallowed instead of honored, as mine says. And we'll kind of break some of that down. But, you know, today's passage, he says, Don't do this, but instead do this. You see, the Lord's Prayer, it starts off with, Our Father who art in heaven. And so it's an introduction of prayer that, according to the Psalms, it says that we are to enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. And so that's how we start off. And then, and then it goes into two different parts. It's like, and this can get into whatever terms you want, but it's like vertical petitions and then horizontal petitions. So the, first, like the vertical petitions, it says, are all start with like your. So your name be on honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So three vertical petitions, and then there are three horizontal where it revolves around us. And so it says, give us today our daily bread. That's one. Forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's three that correspond with our relationship with the Father, and then three with us living that out. And so as we look at that, Jesus starts his teaching off like on the, this most revolutionary statement that, that there ever was. There's never been one even more controversial than this, what he's about to say, not even is LeBron better than Michael Jordan because that's revolutionary, but it's false. Michael Jordan is still the best there ever was. Like even more revolutionary than that, Jesus said, this is how you are to pray, our father. You see that that, that would be revolutionary because in the Old Testament, God was unapproachable. God was this God that was far off that was ready to smite you whenever you messed up. That, that, the, the way that God appeared in the Old Testament was as somebody that you didn't want to mess with. He delivered judgment to the land, to the people, that he brought it down, and it was swift, and it was just, and you just had to put up with it. You were to be afraid of him, not fear him, but to be afraid of him, because there's no telling what he's going to do. You see, I mean, like, that might be where, where we kind of are now and where we've been taught and grown up, but that's not the truth, because Jesus says, our Father. He, he's inviting you into a personal relationship. You see, the, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament in Exodus, like this is one of the, the stories that they would have grown up hearing. Exodus, Moses is about to go up onto Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And God says, hey, here's the thing. Put a guard around this. Don't, do not let the people come up here. Because it, it, if they touch it, if they touch the mountain, then, then they're going to die. Like, like that's actually the word of God. Like he actually said that. So you can see why there was a little bit of fear. Like, wait a minute. So when Jesus says, pray to God as our Father. You see, also in Numbers, it talks about the holy of holies. where That housed the presence of God. That, That one priest, one time a year, was allowed to go back there and offer up a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. One time, one person could go back there once a year. If anyone else did, they would die. And God says, hey, don't go in there for you will surely die. Like they even even, like tied a rope around the one priest's uh, ankle that got to go in there because uh, if he accidentally stumbled or fell, touched the ark, he would die and they, would, they couldn't go in there. They would have to pull him out by rope. Like, I mean, it was, it was serious. Like there was a reason that they felt that God was unapproachable, that he was far off. And, and, but Jesus says, hey, when you pray to the God of the universe, the creator of all that is seen and unseen, to the alpha, the omega, the all-powerful, the almighty, the all-knowing, the all-present, when you pray to him, you can call him Dad. And he's on the Sermon on the Mount where his disciples and other followers that, that are trying to get a sense of this. And the religious leaders are on this mountainside listening to Jesus talk. And he says, hey, you don't, don't pray like they pray because that's wrong. They babble and they've gotten their reward. But instead for you, you get to say our father. But not only does he say, call him our father. He, he actually says, you get to call him Abba. Father. Like, like, not only do you get to call him father, you get to call him dad. Like, like father is the term that we use when, when we get in trouble, right? Like, uh, I don't know, father said I'm grounded. You know, like when, when you don't really want to acknowledge my dad, my dad is right over here. Uh, and so, you know, that's a term where it's very impersonal. You know, like, uh, yeah, father said I can't. You know, like, it, Jesus says, don't even call him that, but call him. Abba, Father, call him, like that, that word is best translated, dearest dad. Like not only is he dad, but he's the dearest dad. He's, he's personable. He's relational. He is for you, not against you. He loves you and he cares for you. And so Jesus is saying, when you talk to your father in heaven, when you get ready to go to your room to shut the door and pray, here's how you talk. He says, you call him Father. Abba, Father, that same God Jesus said to call him Abba, Father. Jesus is ushering in the new covenant. And in the the new covenant, we followers of Christ are sons and daughters who have a dad in heaven that loves us. Like in this new covenant, this new way of living, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is saying, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this. This was the old way. This is a new way. The old way to pray was that. The new way to pray is this, and it's our Father. You see, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the word, the name of God, his name was Yahweh. His name is Yahweh. But in the Old Testament, they, they would not refer to him as Yahweh, that, that was the name. It's called like the ineffable name, the unutterable name of God is Yahweh. There's no vowels in there. It would be Y H W H because you were not supposed to say it, right? Like it comes from four consonants that's like Yad, He, Wah, He. Like, you're not supposed to say this name. That is unutterable, that is God, because if you take, if you say that word and you use it improperly, then surely you're gonna die. And see, Jesus is, he's talking to these people with that concept of I cannot approach God, I can't even say his name, but Jesus says, not only can you say his name, dearest dad, but you're a son. God is referred to as father 14 times in the Old Testament, and it always refers to as the father of a nation, not as an in, of an individual. But Jesus in the Gospels uses the name father for God 60 times. In all of the Old Testament, I think the Old Testament is 39 books. It uses it 14 times and never for an individual, but always for a nation. In four books... Jesus uses it 60 times to refer to God. You see, Jesus is trying to get it to us because this was crucial to them, but it's also crucial to us. Because if you're like me and you grew up in a a religion that that was based on doing the right thing every time and never making a mistake, because if you do, because what if Jesus comes back and I have unrepented sin, then I'm going to go to hell because I didn't take care of that. And it was striving and working and trying to do my best and willpower and self-control ruled and reigned. And yeah, I gave into lust or I gave into a lie or I was full of pride, but I'm going to do better. You know how many times I said, I'm going to do better. I never was able to. I was never able to do better. You see, it's not until we come to the realization that God is a father and I don't have to do the right thing every time to be called a son. Does he want the best for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, when I obey him and I walk in covenant with him and I walk in communion with him, do things go better for me? Absolutely. But I'm never not a son. Once I became his son, I was never not a son. My dad uh, is, a, is a really good example of this. I, there's a lot of things that I did to my dad, a lot of things that I, that I regret. I cannot take back, but not once, not once that I quit becoming his son. Became a pain in his butt sometimes, but never not his son. You see that with God the Father, there's not one time that we're not a son, that we're not a daughter. This is crucial. Why does it matter that he is our father and not an unapproachable God? Because the the truth is that you will never trust somebody if you think they're not out to get you. You will never trust God if you don't think that he's for you. You will never, like the song we sang, like, I just want to sit at your feet. You will never sit at the feet of someone that you think is ready to hit you. You will never draw near to someone who you think is going to push you away. And so why is it crucial that we see God as our father and not some off, far off being that we can't even con, like grasp that concept? Because if we want the relationship that Jesus had with him then we will see him as our father, as our Abba, father, as our dearest dad. It's revolutionary because what happens is all of a sudden, it's not about who, or about what I can do, but about who I am. You see, all of a sudden, the striving and the struggle and the worry and the work and the self-control and all of that gets to go away. And I get to sit and I get to rest at the feet of my father. God is not unapproachable. God is not unhappy with you. God is not watching and waiting to send trouble your way. But there's a flip side to this. You see, because God is our father who longs for relationship with us. When when the the prodigal son takes his inheritance and runs off and, and dines with the pigs, Only to come back. It says that when he starts returning. That the father sees him from a long ways off. And he runs after him. And he offers him a ring and a robe. And he welcomes him back into the family. You see the flip side of it is. Is that you have to receive him as your father. Because see there's something about me. That wants to hold something back from him. Because if he really sees who I am, like n- not the up here I, I am, not the at home or out in the community that, that's doing all the right things, but the, the me that's all by myself, the thoughts that go in, on in my head when no one else knows what's going on, that I'm afraid that if I let him in on that, then he's not gonna want me. You see, God is our father who is standing there with a ring and a robe welcoming you, but you have to run to him. The father did everything possible for the, for the prodigal son to return, but he didn't go and pull him out of the pigsty. The son had to return to the father. Jesus has made a way, he has done everything possible, but you still have to walk down that path. You have to be willing to let him in. Receive him as a father, but walk as a son. And as a daughter, as Christ's followers, we are his sons and daughters. He loves you. He has plans for good for you. He wants you to draw near to him. He is the perfect father. Why is this revolutionary that Jesus is saying, pray to God, your father. And Jesus is the one to say it because Jesus says, I'm I'm telling you, you can call him father and he's good. You can trust him. I, I, I know the stories of old. I was there. I know what happened, but I'm telling you, he's your father now because I'm bringing in a new covenant. Because in Hebrews 1, 3, Chris quoted this yesterday at men's breakfast. It says that Jesus is the exact representation of the father. And so Jesus is saying, you can call him father. Because if you've seen me, according to John 14, he says, if you've seen me, then you've seen the father. Yeah, I know you've heard that the father is this unapproachable Angry, evil, ready to deliver judgment, but he says, But if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And Jesus is full of truth, but he's full of love and grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness. And Jesus says, If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Jesus is not only ushering in the new covenant, but he's ushering in the new vision of who God is. And why is it important for you to see him as a father? Because he is. Kind, he is gentle, he is loving, he is full of grace and mercy and truth, forgiveness. We have this, not only did they have to break that mindset of God being far off, ready to smite us, but we have to break that too. We have to come to the realization that we are sons and daughters, that God is for us. He is not against us. He, He has plans for good for us. It says that he works together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He says you are his masterpiece according to Ephesians 2, 9, and 10. That you are his most prized possession. Right? Like you have to begin to see yourself as a son and daughter of God, that you are valued and that you are seen and heard and that you are wanted and desired. That not only does he love you, he's in love with you, but he also likes you. You know, like I love my wife, my wife loves me, but not every second of every day does she like me. But every second of every day, he likes you, he enjoys you, he wants your company. So why, why? When you begin to pray in a way like that, it changes things. Because all of a sudden, it changes your prayer. Like, Why did Jesus say, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven? Because all of a sudden, the prayers of the, hey, give me this, I want this, I need this, all of a sudden, those go away. You see, when, when I spend time with, with Ollie, with Hattie, with my kids, and we just drive or we just fish, we just hike, we just go somewhere, there's not the, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. It's, hey, Dad, did you see that? Hey, Dad, what do you think about this? Hey, Dad, why is Superman better than Batman? You know, that, that one's Ollie right there. But like, all of a sudden, it takes it off of me, 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 me to where you're just with the Father, and then you get lost. You think, man, how how can people pray for an hour a day? How can you pray for 30 minutes a day? It's all of a sudden because it takes the focus off of me, and we say, "Our Father, thank you, Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name." We begin to talk to him as a dad, not as a master. Roman. Here's just three quick passages on our sonship. It says that we Romans eight fifteen says that we have been adopted into sonship. Galatians 4, 5, and 7, it says that you are no longer slaves, but sons of God. And if you're sons of God, then you are heirs with Christ. Ephesians 2, 19 says that that we are members of his household. Like, you have to understand this concept. When Jesus came, he brought forth that sonship, the right to be called a son and a daughter of God. And so when we pray as the son, when we pray as a son and as a daughter, then the father moves heaven for his kids. All right, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna keep going. Don't worry, if you were worried uh, for a second. We're not covering the whole Lord's prayer today. I saw some worried faces here. Right? We're we're only going through your name. Be honored as holy. Okay, y'all can take a big sigh. Breath. The pulled pork will be good when it's ready. Don't worry. So it says, "Your name be honored as holy, or hallowed be thy name." Depending on your translation, that word "hallow" or "honor" means to sanctify, to make holy, or to treat as holy. You see that that God sanctifies us by the blood of Jesus. He makes us holy by the blood of Jesus. But how? On the flip side, how do we? Make him holy. How do we treat him as holy? And here's just a couple of of ways that we do that. Three simple ways. One, we trust him to do what he says he will do. We honor and we hallow the name of God when we say that his name is truth, not a liar. You see that, that when God says, hey, I've got you, and then you run out and do it yourself, do you know what you said? And say, God, you're a liar. I don't trust you. We're not honoring, we're not hallowing his name. I mean, it, it happened to Moses. I mean, one, one of the greatest men in the Bible, like a hero that we should all look up to. Moses was in, in uh, I think it was in Exodus and they came to the place and the people were moaning and grumbling because they were like, Lord, why did you lead us out of Egypt? At least we had water there. Now we're in a place where we have no water and God had already instructed Moses and the people are griping and getting on to Moses. And then it says that Moses' spirit was bitter. It was harsh. And you know what he did? He struck the rock twice because he was mad and it says that water gushed out and people got their water but you know what the Lord said to Moses he said because of that because you did not trust me you will not get to take these people into the land that I've promised you it's a key to honor and to hallow the name of the Lord to trust him he is able to do what he said he can do we honor his name by trusting in him you see, a name is not just a jumble of vowels and consonants to make something that we like. It's not just something cute. But a name represents a history and a reputation of the one that it's named for. So, so when, when, when you talk of somebody, and you mention you're trying to talk of someone's last name, and you're like, oh, hey, do you, do you, do you know such and such from Strawn? And they, they'll tell me a name, and I'll be like... Oh, yeah, I know them. You know, like, because immediately a history and a reputation comes to my mind. Same can be very well said of me. So be careful if you throw my name around there. If you're in Strawn or Gordon, especially Gordon, don't use my name in Gordon a whole lot. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the name of Yahweh, the name of the Father, it carries a history and a reputation. And if if we're out there saying Oh, God is good, God's got me, I trust him, I care for him. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, why are you doing that? Like, that's crazy. I thought you said God God is good, God will provide. Oh, if we're going to honor and hallow his name, it's by that we trust that he's able to do what he says he's going to do. Number two, we fear him instead of man. If we're gonna honor the name of the Lord, if we're gonna hallow, if we're gonna make it holy, then we're gonna say, hmm, you know what? That name is set apart, that name is different. Isaiah, the Lord is speaking to Isaiah in chapter eight, and he says, hey, don't, don't believe all the conspiracy theories that all the other men believe. Don't, don't fear what man fears, but instead you fear the Lord. How do we honor and we hallow the name of God? is that we are not afraid of what the world is afraid of. Like, like we don't look at the world and it's like, oh man, this is getting bad, really bad. I, I can't believe what's happening. Oh man, we better just, no. We don't fear what man fears. God is seated on a throne. We honor his name by trusting him by fearing him. I mean, does it, does it really say much good for us that if we say that we honor the Lord and we fear him, but then all of a sudden we're, we're worried when all of a sudden there's not as much toilet paper. I mean, I mean, like when there, when there's not enough food and the shelves are getting empty, like my wife went to Eastland the other day, cause that's how far we have to go for groceries. Uh, like she went there and like, Shelves were kind of empty because they canceled school for like three or four days and everybody was just like, oh man, I got to feed all these kids for four, you know, two extra days. Does it do any good to say that the Lord is good and that we, if all of a sudden we don't trust that he'll take care of us? If we're afraid of all the things that the world is afraid of, then what different are we? Then why would people become Christians? If we're scared of a pandemic, if we're scared of an invasion, if we're scared of whatever, everything that the world is afraid of, then what different are we? How do we honor the name? We say, hey, it doesn't matter what comes at us because the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, Yahweh, my father, my dearest dad, he'll protect me. I mean, do you understand that he brought manna, bread from heaven, for 40 years to two million people in a desert. That's impressive. Do you understand that for Elijah, he had a raven bring him food. Do you understand that that there was a, a widow who was making her last meal so that her and her son could die and all of a sudden the prophet shows up and he says, hey, can you make me a meal? And she's like, I, I don't really have any more. I was just going to make this, and me and my son are going to die. But you know what? She makes it, and it never runs dry. How do we hallow the name? We're not afraid of what the world is afraid of. Either he is seated on a throne or he is not. How do we honor his name? We keep his commands. In Leviticus, it says, you shall keep my commands and do them. I am the Lord, and you shall not profane my name but I will be hallowed among the people of Israel. He says, if you're going to hallow my name, you're, here's my commands, you're going to keep them and do them. How do, we, how do we hallow the name of the Lord today? We obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, then you will obey me. Here's quick practical things, and we're going to go eat lunch. What does this mean for us today? It means for you to walk as a son. God was unapproachable, but now he says you can boldly approach the throne of grace and of mercy by the blood of Jesus Christ. God was once far off, but now we can draw near to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. That that once God was ready to smite us and wipe us off the face of the earth, but now it says for the wrath of God has been satisfied. God is not angry with you. Even when you sin, even when you mess up, Because the wrath of God is satisfied. We can draw near to him. You know know what it says leads men to repentance? It's not fear. It's not worry. It's the kindness of the father. Walk as a son. Boldly approach your dearest dad. And how are we going to hallow and honor the name practically? Believe him that he is able to do what he says he can do. What area in your life, and I'm asking myself these questions, I've already asked them this week, what area in my life am I not trusting God in? What area have I tried to go out and do it on my own to make it happen only for it to fall apart in my face? Where am I giving in to fear as the rest of the world is giving in to fear? Fear. Our fear should be on the Lord. So I'm asking you, is there an area that you're afraid of? Is there something that you're afraid of? Just as the rest of the world is. If there is, give it to him. And the last one is, walk in complete obedience. We honor the name of the Lord when our lives match our beliefs. What area What area would you like to give over to him? Is it your finances? Is it your health? Is it a sin? Is it an addiction? Whatever it is, we honor the name of the Lord. We hallow the name of the Lord when we walk in obedience. And so I'm going to close in prayer. I want you to ask yourself those questions. What area do I need to trust him in? What area am I walking in fear? And what area am I walking in disobedience? Those aren't fun questions, but those are questions that are going to allow you to walk as the Lord has called you to walk.